Ohio needs nurses now. Xavier University is offsetting the demand by offering individuals with non-nursing bachelor's degrees an accelerated path to the profession. With locations in Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Columbus, our ABSN program enables adult learners like you to earn a respected Bachelor of Science in Nursing in 16 months. So what are you waiting for? There's no better time than now to step up and become a nurse. Search Xavier ABSN to apply. Hey everybody, how you doing? Glenn Blakeney here. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I want to take a few moments tonight and just let you know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came to set the captives free. Isn't that the truth? Come on now, just uh, give a shout out here, give an amen, uh, give us some hearts here and just let us know. Do you believe that, that Jesus came to set the captives free? Well, I'm going to be sharing some powerful truths tonight regarding how we can walk in the freedom that Christ actually purchased for us at the cross. Redemption is all about freedom. It's not just forgiveness, but it's also living in freedom. And of course, when the Lord Jesus was on the earth and the debut of his public ministry, he was in the synagogue in Nazareth. What was the first thing that he said? Well, he took the scroll of Isaiah and he was actually reading from chapter 61. They didn't have chapters back then, but we do now. And uh, he was quoting from that. And here in Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19 says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news Wow. So right there alone, we see that the scripture says that the reason for the anointing is to bring good news. There's there's a purpose for the anointing. In other words, it says he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What else? He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, that particular reference to the Lord's favor is typically taken to refer to what is known as the day of atonement. And the day of atonement, of course, is when, I'm sorry, the day of atonement, the year of Jubilee, I've been, I was studying on the day of atonement. The year of Jubilee is when slaves were uh, released, they were emancipated, debts were canceled and property and belongings were restored. And so the idea is that this is a time that Jesus came to bring restoration. He came to bring emancipation and he came to literally cause us to walk in the fullness of all of his provision for our lives. He's a good God that uh, he causes us to go free from the debt. He causes us to go free from bondage, from spiritual prisons, as well as natural things that hold us back. And he wants us to walk in the fullness of his salvation for us. So I want to tell you guys that there's a lot of people, a lot of believers that struggle. You still struggle with things that have happened to you from the past. Perhaps, you know, you've had painful experiences. You've been victimized. You've been abused. You know, you've had uh, just, just trauma as a result of PTSD is very real. We know that. But, you know, just from bad experiences in life, whatever it may be, something has really impacted you negatively and you're still carrying that 
around with you. And the joy of the Lord is no longer what it used to be in your life. Well, hey, I can honestly tell you guys that I can relate to that. I know what it's like to go through difficult times to to have, um, you know, to be accused of doing things, to be lied about, to be betrayed. Hey, we've all probably gone through that in one way or another, but the Lord wants us to walk in freedom. You might be struggling with some form of addiction, or maybe you know someone is struggling with some form of addiction. The Lord wants you, your loved ones, your friends, your family to go into freedom. And that is the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross of Calvary. He didn't just die so that we could experience freedom one day when we go to heaven, but he came to liberate the captives, to set us free here and now. And I wanna just tell you that there is a process that we need to engage in in order to experience this freedom. It's not like the very moment we believe in the gospel that everything is changed in our lives. I mean. We all love those dramatic testimonies of people that encounter the power of God and they're set free. And we, we believe in that. And we've seen that. It's part of my testimony as well. But ultimately, there's a walk. There's a journey that we have to go on to continue in freedom or even to stay free because you can be free from things. And then you come into another season of your life where something happens or perhaps you regress and, and you do something you shouldn't have done and you know you end up getting uh, in bondage to something, it could be bondage to sin, whatever it is. Well, you know what the good news is, and I know guys that no matter what people have told us, no matter what our personal experience has been, the truth is that Jesus came to liberate us. He came to set us free and there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Hallelujah. But there is a process. There is revelation that we need to uncover so we can walk in. And I really believe, you know, some I've, I've talked to Christians who said, well, you know what? I've tried for so long. I've tried to be free. I've, I've prayed for healing. I've prayed for deliverance. I've had people minister to me and nothing has happened. And I understand that completely. And of course, we can respond very, you know, just casually and just say, well, you know, the Bible says that God is a healer. Do you believe the word of God or do you not believe the word of God? And and certainly there's truth to that, that do we really believe the word of God? Well, yeah, but sometimes it's actually not an issue of faith. It's not an issue of belief. But people, have, as the Bible talks about, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, when you prayed about something and it seems that God is not answering you, it seems that you're not getting any better, but you're still struggling. You still fall. You may do well for a season, but then you regress and you you go back into that particular lifestyle or those thoughts come back to you, tormenting you. You know, it might be, might be anxiety or fear that you're dealing with, but regardless, I want to tell you that the word of God is very clear that there is complete freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to share with you just a couple of principles tonight. I'm not going to be too long. I just want to share with you a couple of principles that are going to help you help your loved ones to move into freedom. So why don't we right now just take a moment, just hit the share button, just begin to share this video. If you know somebody who um, would benefit from this, maybe tag them. Uh, just share it. Just just leave a comment and 
and let people know because later on I'm going to be giving um, access to an actual free teaching that I did a full length teaching on identity, knowing your identity in Christ and how incredible that is to be able to walk in freedom. So we have to know our identity. So just go ahead, hit the share button, share it with others. And also look forward to you guys leaving your comments as well. Uh, let's get this word out. If you know somebody who needs to experience freedom in their life, let's get this word out. It's going to help them. So let's just share, share away. This is on Facebook. This is on YouTube. Just share it wherever you are. And uh, let's look at this topic of freedom. Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. And I want to read to you. It's actually known as Zachariah's song. Zachariah, of course, was a priest. He served in the temple. He was the father of John the Baptist. And it says in verse 67 that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to prophesy. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 67. He began to prophesy. John the Baptist's father, Zachariah, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. He said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn. Now, the word horn actually here references or symbolizes a strong king. He has raised up a horn or a strong king of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Now, who's he talking about here? Who is he talking about? He's speaking of Jesus, Yeshua, right? And he's speaking of Jesus that he would come and he would be a strong servant. And he would bring, listen to this, verse 71, that Messiah would bring salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Okay, now listen to this, salvation from the hand of our enemies. And, and listen to this, from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, now listen to this, verses 74 and 75 of Luke chapter 1. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. Wow, did you hear that? It says to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. I want to say that again. And enable us to serve him without fear. Wow. How long? In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Wow. That's the NIV that he has rescued us. He's delivered us so that we can serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all our days. The new living says we've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Holiness and righteousness for as long as as we live. That is a powerful, powerful revelation. Now listen to the Amplified. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 74 and 75. Listen to this, the Amplified. To grant to us that we being delivered from the hand of our foes might serve him fearlessly. We might serve him fearlessly in holiness, divine consecration, and righteousness according with the everlasting principles of right, within his presence all the days of our lives. Now, here's the key right here. Are you ready? When it talks about that we might serve him uh, in righteousness and holiness without fear, 
You know, the idea literally here is that it is in his presence. It is before his face that we serve him. So the key to living an overcoming life, being free from fear and being able to live that life that he is destined for us to experience where we overcome. You know, it says in Romans 6, 14, sin shall have no dominion over you. Sin shall have no dominion over you. Why? For you are not under the law, but you're under grace. So sin shall have no dominion over us. In Titus 2, 11 and 12, it talks about the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And it says, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly loss and how to live self-controlled, upright lives in this present age. So grace is a teacher. Grace empowers us. Now, come on now. Did you hear what I said? Without fear, right? Okay, before his presence. But then what? Sin shall have no dominion over you. You're not under law. You're under grace, okay? Now, what does it say? That his grace, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly loss. One translation says, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust. Here's the key. And I want to just share one more powerful key with you, how to walk in freedom. Grace is the key. Grace is the key. But grace has been misconstrued by many. Many people think about grace and in the sense that grace is forgiveness. It's mercy. And certainly grace is God's mercy. Grace is God forgiving us. Someone has said, you know, it's it, the acronym God's riches at Christ's expense. I totally believe that. We know it is because of Christ alone. He provides grace. But the Bible also says in 2 Peter 3.18 that we can grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if grace is a gift, which it is. But understand that we have to develop that gift. We have to access that gift. We have to avail ourselves of that gift. Remember in Luke 2, 52, when it was speaking of Jesus, and it says that when he was young, when he was 12 years of age, he was in the temple, and it says that he increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. The word that is translated favor is the word grace. It's carries in the Greek language. It's grace. He, Jesus increased in grace. We can increase in grace. Grace is powerful. Grace is available to us so that we can not only be forgiven, but that we can actually overcome sin. We can overcome the enemy. We can overcome all the obstacles and the things that he has done to be able to try to stop us and hinder us from walking in victory and so on. So let me give you one more definition of grace. This is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, okay? Let us have, by, have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. Wow. Grace enables us to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. So grace gives us reverence. It gives us godly fear. 
to walk before God, respecting him, honoring him, realizing he's a holy God, he's a consuming fire. Grace gives us the power to overcome sin. Grace enables us to be able to become more like Jesus, to live the life that he lived, because even Jesus as a man, as a child, grew in grace. Grace is available, guys. Grace is available. And if you will tap into grace, you will begin to see the difference. Now, let me share with you a final thought, a final thought on how do we access grace? There was a time when, when I first came to Christ, I came out of the world. I was in bondage. You know, I was doing things that was involved in, in, in the world. And at that particular time, I began to realize that God was working in my life. Isn't it amazing that it says in Philippians chapter two, that God works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. Come on now. Isn't that awesome? Come on now. God works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. The New Living Translation puts it this way. For God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases you. That's grace. So grace is not only God's riches at Christ's expense, but it's also governing, ruling, and conquering our enemies. Grace makes us able to govern, to rule, and to conquer our enemies. Going back, if you missed the beginning, I referenced Luke chapter one, where it says that we will be free from the hand of our enemies, that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life or our, of our lives or our entire life that we may serve God. So it's a powerful, powerful thing. So the final thought I want to give to you is this. Remember Jesus' words in John chapter 15. Isn't it amazing that the Bible teaches that grace gives us not only the power to do what pleases God, but the desire to please God. That's a powerful revelation. So my struggle, you know, I'm trying to change. I'm like, okay, I need to fast more. I need to pray more. And I certainly believe in praying and fasting and we need to pray, but it's our perspective in prayer that makes all the difference. So I'm praying and I'm crying out to God and I'm saying, Lord, make me holy, make me holy, make me more like you, set me free deliver me so I can walk this overcoming life. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me about intimacy, about relationship. And this, this time when I was first saved, I had this revelation from him. And he just, he just took me to John 17, 3, which says, this is eternal life. Jesus was praying to his father. He said, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. And so he's just showed me, he said, look, this is the key right here, knowing God. This is eternal life that they may know you. It's the Greek term genosko, and genosko speaks of intimate, personal relationship with God, knowing him intimately and personally. So we are called to know him that way. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus, in literally the final week of his life on planet Earth, before he's about to go to the cross, and, and of course, he'll he'll die, be raised to life and ascend to the father. He'll come back and for 40 days, he'll walk among the people of planet Earth. But one of the final things he teaches on, if you go to John's gospel, you'll see after uh, he washed the disciples feet in chapter 13. Again, this is the final 
seven days of his of his life on the planet. Now, what would you say to people and what would you do if you knew you only had seven days left to live? What would you say to your nearest and dearest friends? What would you do? How would you live? So Jesus, he serves his disciples. He washes their feet. You know, he, he ministers to them. He talks about many things. But then in the 14th chapter, he shifts, he pivots into the topic of the Holy Spirit. He begins to tell them the Holy Spirit's going to come. You won't be left alone. He's going to abide with you forever. You're, you're going to find him as another comforter who, who will uh, be with you and he'll strengthen you. Him, he'll empower you, the parakletos and so on. And then the 16th chapter, he continues his discourse on the coming of the Holy Spirit. But right in the middle of that is chapter 15. The chapter 15, there's, there's at least up to the 16th verse or so, Jesus tells this story, this parable, so to speak. It's really an allegory of uh, a Palestinian vineyard in that time. And he just begins to share with them, you know, using the imagery and the, and the topography of the land. You know, he says, listen, he says, my father is the vine dresser, okay? He said, I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser. My br every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now listen to this, verses four and five. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Very, very powerful. He's talking about bearing fruit. Now, let's just kind of um, define just a couple of things here. The first thing that we need to understand is what is fruit? Now, Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit. And, in, you know, it, it's so important that he says that the per, verse number uh, six, he actually says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burnt. Now, now listen to this. So in other words, bearing fruit is pretty important in Jesus' uh, eyes. He wants us to bear fruit. So what is bearing fruit? Well, listen, Jesus said in John 7.37, every good tree bears what? Every good tree bears what? Every good tree bears good fruit. So that's what he said. Now, Bearing fruit. There's so many references to bearing fruit in the New Testament. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's the fruit of righteousness. There's the fruit of our lips giving thanks. When we give to the poor, when we give an offering, it's 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 fruit that abounds to our account. You know, sharing the gospel to those that don't know the Lord. That is also reference to bearing fruit in the New Testament. It's there's so many references to that. But what is bearing fruit? Let me, this is what the Lord showed me when I was saying, Lord, I want you to change me. I want you to make me holy. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to keep falling. You know, I'd do well, but then I'd regress and, and I'd slip. And the Lord said to me this, he said, Glenn, you need to understand that bearing fruit is the promise because I was trying to bear fruit. But the Lord said to me, I have never called you to bear fruit. Every good tree bears good fruit. Now, that's a statement. That's not saying, hey, if you are a good tree, 
make every effort to bear good fruit. He says it's a given. This is a declaration that every good tree bears good fruit, correct? Okay, so what is he saying? Bearing fruit is a promise. Now, God is faithful to his promise, but what does he call us to do? He calls us, going back to John 15, to abide. He says, if you abide, he said, you will bear fruit. He was very, very clear. He said, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. There's another statement. This is, this is a promise. For without me, you can do nothing. Then verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, what? He is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Now listen to this. He did not say in verse six, if you don't bear fruit, he said, you're like, a, you know, you're cast into the fire. He said, if you don't abide, you'll be cast into the fire. Why? Because bearing fruit is the promise. Abiding is the process. God is the one who fulfills the promise. We are the ones who are called to engage in the process. Often we focus on bearing fruit, but God has not called us to bear fruit by our own human effort. It, he's called us to abide in him. It's the Greek word meno. It's transliterated M-E-N-O. And it means to stay attached, to stay connected. In fact, in the noun form, if you go over to John chapter 14, you're going to see that noun actually is used several times in John 14. And it's used of a place of residence some translations say abode, so abide and abode. Now we're called to abide, but an abode is a place of habitation. Abode is a place of residence. So what he's saying is that we are called to make our habitation in him. We're called to stay connected to him. Just like that branch in the natural, when it stays connected to the vine, the life that is in the vine will flow into that branch. And as that life enters that branch, it causes it to blossom, it causes it to bud, and then eventually to bear fruit. So if we abide in him, his life will flow into us, and his life will cause us to be able to bear fruit. His life will change us, the fruit of righteousness. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the, the fruit of righteousness, and the idea here is that we bear that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, and so on. We bear it, but how do we do it? We stay connected to him. His life flows into us, and his life produces the fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which means it's the Holy Spirit's fruit. It's not my fruit. It's not your fruit, but it's the fruit of the Spirit. And as we stay connected to God, through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and he infuses us with life. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. So it's through intimacy, it's through knowing him that his life flows into us. And the things that we used to hate, we love. And the things that we used to love, we hate. And then we begin to change. Our affections change for God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And he begins to change our perspective. He begins to give us new desires. And he begins to give us strength and power and grace to overcome and to resist the enemy, to resist temptation 
attention and the things that we struggled with, all of a sudden we begin to lose our desire. We begin to lose our affection for those things. We become detached from those things. Our, we delight ourselves in the Lord and we hate those things. And God begins to cause us to delight in righteousness and we overcome by the blood of the lamb. We overcome by what he did on the cross. We overcome by the word of our testimony and loving not our lives unto death. We overcome because he gives us grace. It's a powerful revelation. So guys, focus on abiding, not on bearing fruit. If you abide, you will see the fruit of righteousness in your life, the fruit of peace the fruit of love, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of righteousness, James 3.18 calls it. You will begin to see change and transformation in your life as you abide. Now, let me say to you, it's simple. It's almost effortless. Now, I'm not saying there's not any effort. Paul talked about striving, but he talked about striving in grace. But the fight that we engage in is a fight of faith. The Greek word faith is pistis. Pistis means to cling to, to adhere to, to stay connected, to, to, to grasp, to, to fasten ourselves to. And so the idea is like abiding, right? We stay fastened to him. We abide in his word. We allow his word as we read his word, as his words, which are spirit and life, John 6, 63. It infuses his life into us. It begins to change us. And we abide in him through prayer. We abide in him through obedience to his word. John 15, 16 talks about if you obey my commandments, you will abide in me, Jesus said. But he said, we obey his commandments out of love. We don't say, well, I my love is seen in that I obey your commandments. Well, that's true, but it's not like we do this to show our love. No, we love him, so we obey him, right? First John 4, 19 is very clear. It says that we love him because he first loved us. So we abide. And God changes us. He begins to focus uh, on those things in our life. And he begins to replace. It's like a displacement process in the beginning. But then it's a replacement process. He gives us a new heart. He gives us new desires. It's a powerful, powerful truth. God works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Listen to this, Jeremiah 32, 38 through 40, speaking of the new covenant. They shall be my people. I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them, their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Who puts the fear of God in our hearts so that we will not depart from him? The Lord Jesus does it. Ezekiel 11, 18 through 20, speaking of the new covenant. When the people return to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols. And I will give them singleness of heart. Verse 19 of Ezekiel 11. I will give them singleness of heart and I will put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will be my people and I will be their God. This is the truth of the gospel of grace, the gospel that brings salvation. Do you know the word salvation in the New Testament is soteria? The verb is sozo. Sozo is used of forgiveness. 
you know, it says in Matthew 1, I think it's verse 21, it says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's sozo. We, re we read in James 5, 16, the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. That's the word sozo. Philippians, uh, I'm sorry, James 1, 21 talks about how the engrafted word is able to save our souls. The word souls means your psyche, your emotions, your mind, your, you know, that part of us, your soul. And, and the idea is it will save your soul, meaning it will do a work of changing the way you think. It will do a work of, of healing your, your emotions, you know, your damaged soul. He will, he will heal it. And then I think it's in Luke 8, 36, where the word sozo is used of how a man who was demon possessed and Jesus cast demons out of him. And it says he was healed. And it's the word sozo. But soteria is the noun form salvation and it and, and it's translated listen to this if you go back to classical greek and you look this up you will find out that the word actually soteria actually means freedom are you ready freedom from the harassment of an enemy that's what the word salvation means freedom from the harassment of an enemy think about that and acts 10 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth when he was here on the earth. And he went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Salvation, soteria, freedom from the harassment or the molestation of an enemy is what it means. You can look that up. You'll see that's true. That's salvation, guys. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to grant us this grace. There is freedom. There's complete power to overcome and to change. And it's it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by his spirit. It's by abiding. It's by grace. It's by learning how to focus on that relationship. So guys, don't think that, oh, well, I've tried. I'm not disciplined enough. Or, you know, I gave it my best shot and I prayed and I did this and I did that and it didn't work. Listen, I want to teach you how to address these things in your life. I want you to be able to go back and look at, you know, some things that have happened in your past. And and maybe there's there's some um, scar tissue there, so to speak, from those things still. Maybe maybe there's some some bitterness or, or some tormenting thoughts. Sometimes we forgive people. And, and I, I recognize it's a process and it's a struggle, but we still feel pain. And God wants you to be free from that pain. He wants to heal you from that pain. Maybe you struggle with, with identity or someone you know does. Or perhaps there's, there's a, a bondage and addiction in your life to something. God wants to heal you. I want to show you through the scripture. I want to teach you through the scripture and show you this process of how you can, after taking about seven or eight weeks, I just want you to watch one video a week. And what you will do is you'll begin to work through the scriptures, the, the worksheets that we've given to you, and there's specific exercises you can do to be able to break off things, to be able to identify things in your life, to be able to renounce things, and to be able to move into a place of absolute freedom, putting on the mind of Christ. And it's not enough just to put off we have to put on that word. Remember in Titus 2, 11, it says the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Well, that word deny actually means to contradict. And it's a very powerful term when you understand that. I will share that. Uh, in fact, I have a, a, 
a teaching specifically on that, how to break that off. So here's what I wanted you guys to do. You'll notice in the chat, you're going to see there's a link. You just hit that link, sign up, and I'm going to send you a video. This video is 50 minutes long. It has to do with identity. It's yours for free. I just encourage you to watch it. Then what's going to happen is you're going to receive another email in a few days inviting you to sign up for my freedom course. The freedom course comes with notes. The notes are like, they're just voluminous. They're, they're replete with revelation and freedom. And, and uh, you're going to just, even the notes alone, you know, are, are just so powerful. So you normally this course, we sell it on our school of ministry for $75. We work with people. We want people to be free. It's not about making money, but we are using these funds to support the ministry. And so what you do is you sign up now. So I said $75. Well, guess what? Right now we are offering our freedom course for $19.99. Just go to our website. You're going to see it's supernatural.awakenations.org, supernatural.awakenations.org. But click on the link in the chat and you'll be able to watch the free video as you sign up and you enter your email address. You will be able to actually receive that video by email. You'll be able to watch it and then sign up for the freedom course. I know you're going to love the freedom course. I know it's going to help you. If you know someone else that needs it, maybe it's not you, but someone else, I encourage you to get them to sign up. You get seven full length sessions with activation exercises, with, with, um, you know, things you can do, um, scriptures to read, and in just full, full of full of scripture, it's just going to really help you. The promises of God, because revelation, revelation, is so important, right? Revelation, and we need revelation. We need demonstration, but we need revelation if we're going to have transformation. So just sign up, guys. I know you're going to be blessed by it. So let me know, please. Is this particular teaching um, been a blessing to you? Uh, has there been anything? To, that I shared tonight that has really encouraged you. Maybe it's some new revelation to you or a confirmation of things you already knew. Would you please leave a favorable comment? And then once you watch the free video, would you please leave a testimonial? Just say, hey, I watched this video. You know, it really spoke to me, blah, blah, blah. Would you do that? you'll get, there'll be a place for you to leave that as you watch the video. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministry. And again, go to our school of ministry of other courses as well. Just go to supernatural.awakenations.org. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Derek, bless you, my friend. Be good to see you. That'd be great. I hope I can connect with you. I'm hoping to come out to California sometime in the next few months. Hey, Marty, thank you for tuning in. And wow, I, uh, our friend from, is it Belgium? Wow, thank you for tuning in, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Bless you guys. Bless you, Corinne. Thank you for watching. I missed anybody. Apologies, but bless you guys. So there's the link right there. Okay, there you go, guys. There's the link. If you want to take a screenshot of it, just go ahead. If but it's in the chat as well. Bless you guys. Thank you so much. Please do share the video, would you? Follow me on Facebook, Glenn Blakeney as well. Thank you.